following program is produced by the Align in the Sound team. If you like what you hear, please stick around at the end of the show. To find out more, contact us and contribute towards a positive future. So Claire and I were, were sitting around at home one night, and I can't remember which of the, the government rorts it was, but there was one of the sports rorts, the car park rorts, one of these things. And this is probably about January last year. One of those things had come up, and uh, I, I guess what I, I leave out of my bio is I'm actually a trained accountant, but I've kind of reformed and left that, that part of me behind. <laughs> but those, th- those accountability and numbers issues still somewhere uh, deep inside. So we were having dinner one night. We'd put our kids to bed, and I think I just started banging the table about something, just saying this is just so I've had enough. Throwing at the television, right? Yeah, that's right. I was just banging the table saying this uh, enough. We've just uh, enough, you know, and having worked in the public service, we – you know, you have to account for every penny whenever you're doing anything, yet to see the, 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 our elected officials just spraying money all over the place, just it, it just got to me. It just really annoyed me. So I banged the table and uh, probably did it for a few nights in a row until Claire said, well, you know, why don't you do something about it? And so... Uh, so I went out and looked at, at the lower house seats and looked at upper house seats and tried to work out whether there actually was a way to get an independent elected in the ACT. Was there actually a path? Because, you know, we love organising and we love activism, but I also like winning. And so it was sort of like, well, is there a way that we can do this? And it turned out that once we'd, I'd run a bunch of numbers that, that, that the, the second Senate seat looked like it might be in play. And we said, OK, well, let's let's start form a group that, that could do something around this on that voices for model and so i mean there's a, there's a few stories about how the other three founders got in you know i went and had a, a group of friends we would have lunch every once a month um uh, actually scotty you'd be most welcome it, it was called uh, bids to clues none or something like that was the name <laughs> of our group because we had two blokes who could bids but uh so we'd have month we had lunch every month and then you know, I pulled one of them aside at the end and said, look, Claire and I are thinking about this thing. And he was like, I'm there. Let's do it. And then another another guy I work with, um, he he um, he and I had to travel to Bowral for work. And he's got really good judgment. And I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll talk to, to Laurie Two hours. in the car. For, <laughs> yeah. So we had spent the first half an hour talking about rugby and football and all the things that we normally talk about. And then I said, right, I got this idea. And, and you're my test case. If, if this guy who's very sensible says it's on, then it's on. And... And so I told him and then he sat quietly for 10 minutes and then he turned and looked at me and went, all right, there's something to this, let's do it. And then Claire, you know, went for a walk with a friend of hers from Tigerinong and she said she was in. So then the five of us kind of started having dinner every Thursday or every other Thursday night at our place and and, and talking about how we might do it. And then it, and, and that was really the start of it. Sort of that, that sort of group of five sort of came together and, and all – you know, all smart, all educated, all active people who still just felt that they didn't have a voice in the mm-hmm. system, that still felt fed up with the way it was going and still felt powerless. And we were sort of like, well, you know, if we're feeling that way as, you know, engaged people in in positions where we, we should have a voice and we should be, you know, have access and be privileged and all those things, what's everyone, you know, we realised how lucky we were, but wondered what everyone else was thinking. And so thought, well, let's, let's, test it out and see and that was really the the the, sort of the genesis of proact you know kind of this very much pro the act but proactively doing stuff we didn't want to sort of pontificate we wanted to do stuff and that was and that was it sort of take some action turn that sort of anger into action was very much the the philosophy and make politics about people again not about parties that was that was the the motivation yeah you mentioned the voices for model that you were looking at what's that 
Yeah, yeah, probably good point. You know, we talk in jargon sometimes in our little silos, don't we? Um, so Voices for Groups sprouted up all over Australia, and and they kind of came out of the uh, the electorate of Indi, where Kathy McGowan got elected in 2013, and it was a similar story there, where I think Sophie Mirabella was their MP, and they were didn't feel that she was representing the community, and so they actually started out having kitchen table conversations, talking to about four or 500 people and, and developing a, a report that said, this is what we found from our discussions. And I, and I understand they presented it to the MP and said, you know, these are the issues that are important to us. This is what we'd like you to think about. And and Sophie Mirabella, in her wisdom, roundly dismissed them. And so they said, right, we'll, we'll, we'll run against you. And, and Kathy McGowan obviously won. And so that model of organizing ordinary people to to sort of talk about what's important to the community and then do something about it now the voices for has a has a big spectrum of what they actually do so i think there's i haven't looked for a while but there was 35 or 40 odd groups around the country and some of them just want to do get together and talk and and release their findings in some fashion talk to their local mp at the other end of the spectrum are groups like ProAct where we said, no, we, we, we're going to get into this. We want to, we want to get a candidate and we're going to run and we're going to, we're going to challenge the, the system. That's what we're going to do. Um, so it's sort of this spectrum. And in the ACT, we're very lucky. I mean, CAPAD, um, another pro-democracy we group. Week, oh, right, yeah, CAPAD. So, yeah, yeah, Peter Tate. We've yeah. spoken to Peter quite a few times. Uh, and I think Saffron as well, yeah. who, who I think yeah. was on as well. Yeah. Um, so they're, yeah, they're they're wonderful, but they're they're at that sort of softer end of they're almost a voices for group, but at that softer end in terms of talking about the issues, talking about a lot of things, and 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 engaging in debate, but they had no interest in in you know in, in identifying a candidate and and running, and we were sort of at the other end of the spectrum, so very complementary. I mean, yeah. we we weren't you know it's, it's, we have like I said we have a very friendly and and cordial relationship with with Peter, and they do amazing work as well, and. You know, Proact. I think we were involved in there um, in November last year. They have their annual sort of conference of democracy and things like that. So, so yeah. I mean, so that's sort of the spectrum. In, in the ACT, we actually almost have that spectrum of voices yeah, yeah, yeah. for movements in terms of, you know, discussion, engagement, and and sort of reports through to very sort of active. Let's let's run in elections. What's quite interesting is I personally feel that the ACT is quite progressive on a lot of issues, but we also get the flack for everything that goes wrong. Um, so, you know, other other people want to um, have a, a grumble about politics. It's always a grumble about Canberra or the ACT. Whereas I feel a lot of a lot of the voters here would actually like to vote differently and uh, and vote for the change that we're talking about. Yeah, it's mm. it's one of the things that you know I, mm. I sound like I get annoyed about a lot of things, and that's mm. not quite true. But it is one of the things that annoys me quite a bit. And and you know it annoys me that the state of that Canberra is shorthand <laughs> for the state of Australian politics. Uh, you know it annoyed me. I mean the the issues on on Parliament in Parliament around uh, gender and some of that toxic work culture is is awful right it's absolutely terrible and needs to be addressed but um but the shorthand in the media at the time was uh, the culture in canberra is terrible and i happened to be you know somewhere where there was great street art at the time as i was listening to this so i snapped a photo of the street art and just put onto proax twitter account 
the culture in Canberra is absolutely fine. It's the it's the FIFO workers on the hill that causes problems, you know. And, and, so it's and just so, two and a half acres of problem real estate. Yeah, that's right. And so, and and talking to others that that really um, that really um, annoys them as well. That that what is a wonderful community and what is a great place to live. Um, is shorthand for something that a lot of people really have negative views of, and, and so that's quite quite frustrating. And uh, I mean, it's it sort of there was one of the other independents running somewhere in Sydney, and I can't remember if they if it was one who got up or, or not. But but they, they when they launched their campaign, they said change the climate in Canberra. I'm like, oh, that's clever, climate change. You know, mm-hmm. Canberra talks about that toxic toxic sort of workplace. I'm like. But the climate in Canberra is fine. Stop using Canberra shorthand for all that's wrong in the, in our political system. But yeah, I compl- I, I completely take your point. You know, it's 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 annoying when you live here, and it's such a wonderful place to live uh, that that we get sort of. Well, you, you you moved to Canberra, right? So this was a this is a chosen place yeah, for you to be too. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Claire and I both moved here. Uh, she was from she was living in South Africa, working on human rights issues. She moved to Canberra to work for Ausaid. Uh, as it was back in the day, I I'd been uh, living in Sudan and Rwanda and various places, and then spent a couple of years in New York, and then moved to Canberra to work for Ausaid as well. Uh, that was about fourteen years ago, and then um, and then we 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 left to, to to live in London for a few years. Claire got offered a great job there, so we went over there. But then when we came home, we were like, we then had you know one and a half kids, and we're like, oh, where are we going to live? And so. We, we spent a couple of months in Adelaide with Claire's family. We spent some time in Melbourne with my family and we looked at each other and just went, Canberra's the place to live, sure. <laughs> so, we, so, yeah, so we moved back uh, to, to Canberra. You know, it just, it, it's just such a great place to, to live and to raise a family and all those sorts of things that we, that, 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 you know, it was, it was our choice. And a lot of our friends were like, you guys have got to be mad. You could live anywhere and you're choosing Canberra. And we were like, yeah, you've never been for a long it's time, a have you? It's a hidden gem, isn't it? It's a bit of a hidden gem for Yeah, and, those and, that don't know. And I talk it up a lot to people, but then I kind of think, actually, I quite like that it's a, it's a small bush capital, you know, so I don't want to talk it up too much. But yeah, it is an absolute hidden gem. Well, I um, was born here, but then I spent 25 years living in Vancouver, Canada, and I didn't appreciate Canberra till I came back. So I came back about just under three years ago and went, wow, I gave this up. <laughs> so it was, yeah. and it was because it had also, um, just in the time I was away, a lot of things had happened, you know, there was yeah. a, a lot more of a food culture here yeah. now. Oh, there's um, really great, you know, sort of strong community stuff happening. So that was also um, an added bonus. But yeah. it took me having to go away, live somewhere else. It's supposed to be one of the pinnacle cities in the world to come back and realise how great Canberra actually was. Like I'm not sitting in two and a half hours of traffic mm. to travel 25 kilometres, you know. Yeah, I've never been to Vancouver, but I hear it's lovely. I've heard a lot of people sort of equate it with Canberra in some it's, ways it's in very, terms of that very Geographically, it's life. quite similar to Sydney. Yeah, right. Um, it's a harbour city and it's around about 5 million people population. So very similar size to city to Sydney. Right. Um, I, they would probably equate maybe Ottawa with Canberra, which is the seat of government in right. Canada. But again, climate, very different. But cold. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that if you want to talk about cold. Uh, Vancouver is probably the mildest city in Canada. Oh, right. Vancouver or Victoria, which is the uh, capital of British Columbia. Yeah. So, yeah, we're digressing here, but, you know, it yeah, is, uh, yeah. getting back to Canberra saying, yes, it is 
having been away, I realised what a special place it is. And actually, we had um, a great group of people on the show during the bushfires, uh, that just after the bushfires had happened, and there were people who'd been involved in sort of community response to help um, the people that had been impacted. We had bushfire victims talking about what had happened. We had folks from Cabago talking about yeah. the experience of how losing their town. And there was one fellow on who was a key organiser of getting um, aid and support to the bushfire victims on the coast. And it's, he said it changed people's um, opinion of Canberra because a lot of folks down the coast, even though they need the Canberra dollars, sometimes resent all the ACT number plates yeah, heading right. down there and they get a bit, you know, belligerent about it. And he said people suddenly saying, wow, Canberra's been the most generous, most supportive community as far as what they were going through. Yeah. And, and then we had the embarrassment of Scott Morrison going down to Cabago and you know, sticking his foot yeah. and his hand in it, literally. Yeah, it doesn't, um, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I was watching Inside and saw that David Pope, the, the Canberra Times cartoonist, had done an amazing set of, of um, cartoons for, for, for each town across the region. And you know, my family, we holidayed in Eden for, for years, you know, have relatives in Sydney and family in Melbourne. And so that seemed like the, the halfway point where we'd meet. And so you know, spent more years than I can remember on the beach at, at, at Eden. But, and, and so I'd seen that David had done a, a great cartoon of that. So I you know, bought a bunch of those for family who'd go there for, for Christmas. I think that money's going back in as well. So yeah, lots of people using their skills in different ways to support, support the coast. And, and you're right, we probably should because we all do spend far too much time <laughs> along the south coast probably. <laughs> And what it, it is, it was just, like I said, changing the um, the generalised attitude to Canberra. It was nice to see people just actually have a second thought about it and yeah. say, you know what, you know, this is not, it's, it's a stereotype we've been using and it's actually not true. Yeah, yeah. So I want to try and continue the story, I reckon. So you've you've decided you've had enough and you're going to do something and you looked at the, the, the Voices 4 model and that is quite involved with kitchen table conversations. Now, what is a kitchen table conversation? And run it through from the organising through to the action. Yeah, it's a brilliant bit of jargon, the kitchen table conversation, isn't it? Yeah. We, we sort of, because the ACT's got a great acronym, we kind of rebranded them active conversations, mm. but it didn't really take off. So we, 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 people kind of understood mm. what a kitchen table conversation is. But basically, it doesn't have to happen at your kitchen table. There's the first point that kind of dismisses <laughs> the notion of what it might be. It, it's all it is basically is a group of people getting together and talking about issues that are important to them, issues that affect them, what they would like to see happen for the future. So it's not, it's not. You, it can happen at the pub. It can happen on the sidelines of your at your kids' football match. It can happen wherever. Generally, we like to say take a few dot points of what the main issues were that you talked about, so that we've got a record of it. But it's not talking about the footy. It's not talking about what your family did. It's talking about the community. It's talking about what are the things that are important to us? What do we want to see our elected representatives doing on big issues? And, and in the case of, of ProActs, you know, we'd always end with what, does, what do you want to see in your elected official? What qualities do you want someone? Who, who do you want to represent you? And we would go from qualities to then, all right, well, give us some names. Um, and, and so names would be thrown up during those meetings about, you know, call them meetings, conversations, about, about uh, who, who they might, who, who, who might be a, a good person to represent the ACT. Um, sort of throwing back to the start of your question, Scotty, wh how do they organise? It's, it's very much we, we emailed a bunch of friends and said, or, or called or bumped into at the shops and said, hey, come around our place on, uh, it was probably 
early May last year, probably 12 months ago was the first one. You know, we took a few months to get ourselves sorted out and then said, you know, come around, have a cup of tea at three o'clock in the afternoon and we're going to talk about these things. And we had about, you know, 15 people front up and, you know, we ran out of chairs and all that sort of stuff that happens at these early meetings. And then... Um, and so we had a great conversation and then we said to them, look, if, if you think that this is something worthwhile, tell your friends and we want you to invite two friends back next, you know, in two weeks' time. So we had these pretty much every two weeks for a long period of time. And some weeks, you know, if it was wet or whatever, we might only get, you know, three, four, five people in our front room and that was fine. And other weeks it was, you know, 16, 20 people in the front room. So it just... It just really depended. And, and, and you know, because we've got two small boys, sort of six and uh, four, uh, they, you know, we, 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 we sort of were, were sort of not, not constrained to our place, but it just seemed easier to have them there. But then uh, some people who'd been would say, well, I want to host one for my friends. Can you help me? So, you know, there was a group in Hughes, for example, that had a, had a, had a get together and hosted their own conversation. So it was this sort of you know, organic thing, you know, we had our Twitter feed, we'd say, come along, you know, I think we might have got to 500 followers by the end of that. But, you know, so it was just sort of very much word of mouth. We, some people liked it, gave us a bit of money. We we got some flies made up and letterboxed some areas and said, you know, why don't you come along? And some people got those and went, yeah, that, that sounds good. So it was, it was very much starting from a small group and then organically grew. Um, you know, we, we held a, se- a whole series of webinars over, particularly during lockdown, but even um, even sort of uh, when there wasn't lockdown and people were just sort of used to a lot of online work. We, we you know, and it, and it meant that we could we could get people to webinars, like people to, to talk to us who didn't have to come to Canberra. Uh, and so we had a you know a series of webinars on the issues that we were hearing about. So people talked about climate change came up for example so as soon as the IPCC report came out um, Will Steffen from the ANU said yeah I'd, I'd love to talk to your group and uh, Dr. Anna Greta Hunter who's just down the road here um, who's uh, you know sort of expert in health and climate change they were our first webinar was was though they came together and you know we had 80 odd people come and, and and listen to that and then from there, that series sort of grew. Rex, Senator Rex Patrick, or I guess it looks like former Senator Rex Patrick mm-hmm. now, unfortunately, gave, you know, and Amy Ramikas from The Guardian had, had a really great webinar for us on um, freedom of information and integrity in politics because integrity was one of these things that kept coming up. There's a few more on climate change. Ali Stegel uh, came and spoke to the group via on a webinar with um, Ruby Donald, who mm-hmm. convenes the Australian Youth Climate Coalition here in, in the ACT. Um, you know, Carolyn Hendricks, who's an academic at ANU, spoke to us about um, uh, the Voices Four group. She's mm-hmm. she's studied, uh, you know, the, that that group in Indi that I mentioned earlier, and looked at what those lessons are. So, so it started with these kitchen table conversations, and then from there, some events f- around those um, the key issues that we were hearing came out, uh, and so we held a, a you know a bunch of webinars, and that helped grow our sort of our presence and our name because. You know, you can promote climate change events through the ANU's climate groups and through other university groups and connecting with the Youth Climate Coalition and things like that. So, uh, you know, and of course, people like Amy Ramikas have their own following. And if they say, I'm going to be on a webinar, you know, people come and that's great because then that, that they hear about, you know, it would be chaired normally by Claire, who's who, who's really good at that stuff. And so she would she she'd chair the thing. So, yeah, so that's sort of. 
that was a probably went beyond your kitchen table <laughs> conversation question, Scotty. Sorry about that. No, but, no, but it shows the potential of what they can become, right? Yeah, that's yeah. sort of how it started really, you know, mm. a small beginning and then we just sort of grew. And I guess by, by sort of December, when we got to the pointy end and went, right, we need to, to, to think about candidate if we're going to do this. Uh, yeah, we probably had four or 500 on our mailing list. Mm-hmm. So it was an, a, a decent size. We would have liked it to obviously be four or 5,000, but we got to where we got to and, and, and we were pretty pleased with that. Mm. So speaking of you'd like it to be bigger, are you going to keep continuing this until the next election? Uh, Scotty, you asked the big questions, eh? <laughs> um, look, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think what... Uh, David's campaign has shown us is, you know, his campaign ended up with over 2,200 volunteers. It was it was big, and and you know the 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 vibe amongst the volunteers was just great. There were so many people who who you know of all ages, you know, from from 18 to 80, who said, "I've never been involved in politics before. I've never been interested. I've never wanted to volunteer, but I'm in." And um, and so there's a there's a real sentiment around. This is a great community. What can we do to, to, to make it better and how do we engage in that? So, so yeah, ProAct mm-hmm. will continue. Um, we're, we're still deciding what it looks like in the intervening period. Uh, so, you know, I think the Voices for group uh, that I mentioned in Indi, they don't go into hibernation. They do some events around mm-hmm. uh, across those sort of intervening two and a half years around uh, you know, keeping in touch with community and democracy and, and things like that. So... So we're still we're still thinking about what what Proact becomes in, in that intervening period. I think one of the things, and this is by no means set in stone, but one of the things that, that became became clear um, during the election campaign is how how little people know about the Senate and how little people know about how you vote in the Senate, <laughs> uh, and it's a complicated beast, right? I mean. Well, I only really started looking into it a year and a half ago, and it is—it's—it's it's a tricky thing to get your head around, and and how preferences work, and excess quotas, and all these things that you don't deal with when you just put one to whatever in the lower house boxes. So I think there's potentially some civics things. I think we definitely see some sort of role in um, in accountability, so keeping keeping our elected members accountable to what they said, and 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 you know having them having the community engage with their elected representatives a, a lot more on an ongoing basis. There's some ideas floating around. We've, we'll put it back out to, to the sort of the, 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 the membership group or we're not a member organisation, but the supporter group or whatever and, mm-hmm. and, and see, um, and see what, where they think we should take it because it is very much a community group that's like, you know, broadly working on these issues of, of, of community participation and active citizenship. But how do you where it goes next is is up to the you know, the group in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we wound up with these bunch of little pages full of dot points, and you've consolidated them all together. What what did you come out with? What uh, what did the community that you're talking to think? Yeah. So we 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 had those dot points, and we also ran a survey, like a, a simple survey with our with our supporter group. Probably when we had you know a couple of hundred on the list, you know, so so reasonably early in the piece. I mean, climate change was by far the biggest thing that came out. So it was all about climate change uh, and integrity were the the big two. I mean, that was, you know, and it wasn't a surprise. That's what we'd been hearing all the way around, climate change and integrity. Um, You know, housing... They're sort of related, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Housing affordability was starting to raise its head way back then, but but not too much. But that may reflect sort of 
you know, when you got quite a small survey sample, the younger people who who jo- who joined the group were were big on housing affordability, you know, and and even sort of um, rent stability. So you know, how, can I can I stay in my place? You know, if I can't afford to buy, I want to know that I can rent here for an extended period. So those sorts of issues came up in terms of the qualities that people were looking for. You know, it was it was simple stuff that you shouldn't have to you know you shouldn't take a survey to know that people want they want to be able to trust mm-hmm. their elected representatives they want someone who's honest with them uh, one of the things that came through strongly is they wanted someone with a track record of working on issues that were important to them so they wanted someone who, who who'd shown a commitment and a passion to something and stuck at it for a while and I think that's why David resonated strongly with our mm. group was, you know, that environmental yeah, activism that he had. I was going to ask you, because um, you had another candidate who was interested as well, but why you went with David, you know, because it was a, sounded like it was a pretty collective agreement, like a very strong mutual agreement to go yeah, with Yeah, there was, look, we had a very big process because it wasn't, you know, it was, it was about the community mm. choosing who they wanted. So anyone who said that they, they were thinking they might, be interested in running you know we'd have a chat to them that's great um and i should say that you know during those those kitchen table conversations that we're talking about where we said you know um throw us some names i think there's about 26 people's Mm -hmm. names uh came up and i won't name any of them obviously but 26 (laughs) names came up and i think uh, you know between claire and me and the other uh, you know the other uh, sort of committee members we met 23 of them I think it became clear when we reached out to three of them that they just weren't that that bothered but 23 said yeah I'll have I'll have a chat to you so so we met a lot of great people around town and it's one of the things that all those 23 end up running no no I mean look putting your name out there to run is an incredibly brave thing to do I mean it's you know it's a lot of work and and there's always a segment of the population are going to tell you how rubbish you are. So, you know, you've got to be prepared for that. So a lot of people who we spoke to, you know, had, had had started new jobs, had recently retired and were just enjoying not being in that public eye anymore, you know, for whatever reason, family situations, you know, there's, there's, there's probably a lot more reasons why you wouldn't run than there is why you would, to be honest. And so, <laughs> you know, that, that, that reflected in those conversations. But we did have two people who said yeah I'm, I'm i'd be interested um and so the process then was we would organize a, an online town hall for that for those candidates and that went for 90 minutes um they got five minutes up front to sort of put their stump speech out and then it was 85 minutes of grilling from from the community <laughs> and you know they didn't hold back you know they were asking strong questions you, you did know. your own q a show well it was yeah, yeah that's right it was our own q a show online with I don't know how many viewers Q and A gets, but we probably had a few, few less or a few fewer or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that so that was the first step, and then, um, and then we had a, a an endorsement committee that was part some of the some of the proact committee and and some people from the community who put their hand up. And again, those people there was an expression of interest process. So we found people who had some relevant skills who came from different geographic mm-hmm. bits of the town who were older, younger, male, female. You know, we tried to get mm-hmm. a, 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 the, the, as diverse a group or an as representative sample as you can in six people. So, you know, there was all those things went in. Uh, and then we interviewed each of them separately uh, and, and asked similar questions. And, and so that committee interviewed. And then uh, on the basis of the two town halls, uh, we put it out to the community and said, look, send us your feedback and mm-hmm. tell us 
who you think you would like to, to, to for, for Proact to endorse. And so, so there was sort of a, th- a three-step thing. It was sort of uh, those town halls, then an interview, and you know, it, it wasn't a formal voting process, but very much a send us your feedback on on candidate and why. Uh, and so when we went through that that process, then you know David's name was the one that surfaced to the top. Uh, and so we we sort of took it from there. Mm. Well, David was actually the first candidate we interviewed when we started our election series. Oh, right. So it was very early on in his campaign, and I think he was still kind of sorting things out in his head. Yeah. And I was really impressed with watching the progress of his campaign. And one of the things that I noticed is his name just popped up everywhere you went in campaign, whether it was on a T-shirt, whether it was on the sign of a five-ton truck, or <laughs> whether it was a poster, and then even on the pre-polling when they were doing um, sort of handing out how to vote, he was there. And I I think it was on the Friday night I did my vote and there was a huge lineup. It was almost a kilometre long. And so it got quite dark at the end yeah. of the night. And he was the only candidate with signs that lit up his, ah. uh, his core flutes. You, were, you must have been an epic, were you? I was. Yeah. But I thought, you know, that was smart, right? Because you couldn't see any of the other core flutes at that point. And yeah. was looking a bit lost in the crowd. And The, the lighting know. at Epic was off. I spent a bit of time at Epic pre-poll <laughs> sort of handing out how to vote cards. We, we may have, we may have yes, passed may have in, the, in the line there. But um, it's funny because that was completely organic. So there's a, a, a volunteer, uh, I don't even know where he lives actually, Mark's his name, and he, he was an epic, regularly, you know, interested, curious guy, you know, always great insights. Mm-hmm. And so he turned up um, He turned up on about day three at pre-poll and I was out there handing out and he said, oh, I made this last night. Do you think, do you think it would work? And so he, he put down the, the little yeah. sort of pyramid thing and he had three little like, Clip up magnetic lights or something in it. I don't know how it worked. He just pressed the front of them and then the lights came on, right? He's like, oh, so it's got this nice angle that shot up at the core flute. He said, do you think it'll work? I went, I don't know. I'm here till, you know, close. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. And we put it on. And I was like, this is genius. How, yeah. you know, I don't know how he made this I've or how much it cost. I've never seen that at an election before on a core flute no, at, a, at a voting centre. Yeah. It was absolutely genius. And then the funny thing is, so, you know, I was, like I said, I was out there till close and Mark had, had left for the day earlier. And he um, and Andrew Lee came, you know, late in the day when it when it had gotten dark and was bringing coffee for his volunteers and you know having a chat and you know very nice guy and um, and he he walked up and he looked at me and went, wow, look at those lights. <laughs> I was like, I know, first day, look how good they are, you know, and um, and so I, I I let Mark know, you know, on our comms channel later that night. I said, mate, Andrew Lee likes your lights, and he's like. That's fantastic, you know, and so, but it was just one of these organic but things. But no one that, else seemed to take it up. Like no. It was still only David Scorfoot's that had lights yeah. by Friday, right? Yeah, I know. And, yeah. and some, you know, I actually heard um, some other volunteers kind of not mocking it, but speaking a bit derogatory about it, saying, oh, you know, and they bring their disco ball. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the only one you can see. Exactly that. And, you know, so when there's a queue and it's the only core flute you can see, that's a good thing, right? So but and it was well. all organic. Yeah, because you had all of the lights in the front where the David's tent was. But yeah. David was at the back of the line meeting everyone as they joined this one kilometre line and spending time talking to them. Yeah. As they were thinking, oh, God, I've got an hour wait ahead of me. Yeah. So that was really good strategy, whether yeah. it was intentional or accidental, but it was, it was brilliant. The lights were probably uh, accidental. I think, you know, talking to people in the queue is, it's one of the things that, that comes from the, from the proact side of things that, that I think the campaign picked up well is that, and, and, you know, there's lots of things they did through the campaign that reflected this is it was very much people, not party kind of philosophy. And so, 
you know, when Dave's talking to people in the queue or any of our volunteers are talking to people in the queue, it's genuinely about having a chat and saying, oh, you know, sorry, you've got to wait so long. You know, how is it cold out here? You know, and just having, just, just having a chat because people, you know, if you just thrust something in their face and say, vote for me, it's like, okay, fine, whatever, you're, you're one of them. But if you, if you ask someone how they are, then they, they say, oh, I'm all right. You know, mm-hmm. how are you going? You know, and, and Dave is a genuinely engaging, yeah. interesting and he's interested in what people say. I mean, if, if you're talking with Dave, he's he's looking at you and he's listening and he, you know, I mean, he listens uh, very actively and, and, and so, you know, it, it's, you know, it might have been a strategy, well, again, it's, but it's very genuine, genuine right? you know, yeah, it's, genuine. it's a very genuine engagement and that's mm-hmm. something that, that, that was through the through all the volunteers through through the proact days and, and I think went into David's campaign as well is this genuineness of, you know, it's, it's about authenticity. You know, people would, tired of politicians saying stuff and it comes back to that point about trust i want someone i can trust i want someone who you know says what they mean and does what they say sort of thing you know kind of sounds like dr zeus but not quite but you know that's that sort of thing right it's not it's not that hard do do we have a sense of the the final senate results yet do do we know i mean we're pretty certain that david's good but you know do we have any any update on that well i think the aec website says they've counted 80 percent and um you know the quotas at the moment or the the vote share I should say is about 25 point something for the Liberal Party and 21.4 ish I think for for David and then the Greens at 10 and um, Kim for camera around the 5% mark Um, so it will come down to preference flows it always was going to come down to preference flows it has to get to get the Liberal Party a quota in the past it's been preferences I think this time David's put up a a really strong challenge I think um, I think most election analysts that I can think of, uh, sort of Anthony Green, the Kevin Bonhams, Marcus Mannheim locally, I think have said it's it's pretty, pretty it's, certain. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah pretty certain. I mean, uh, yeah, You're I, not I think get too many Kim for Canberra or Greens voters putting the Liberals before David. I don't think. Well, we've got scrutinies out there counting those very issues just yeah. to see how it's looking. <laughs> but um, uh, you know. Uh, I, I think we're pretty pretty comfortable with, with, with where the count's at. But I guess, you know, until, um, you know, as is traditional in these things, someone concedes and then someone claims. So, you know, I don't think we're at that point yet, but um, it's... it's. Well, I think we'd all, be all, we'd all be devastated if that happened because we'd be, you know, I think we're all kind of already accepted. <laughs> this is a, a done deal. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, it would take a... I think it would take a significant shift in the way, in, in the, the sort of 20% that's remaining to be counted. There would have to be a significant shift in the primary vote and, you know, up towards well over half, I think, would be the calculation mm-hmm. for uh, to, to go to the Liberal Party, mm-hmm. which given they're at about 25%. Yeah. I mean, they do do better traditionally on postals and things like yeah. that, which is what's left to be counted. Well, that was something I wanted to talk to you about too, was the lack of integrity in some of the um, postal voting strategies <laughs> that people were experiencing when parties would actually send them postal vote forms and then yeah. the other other things in the package. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, from from a, from Proact's point of view in terms mm-hmm. of this integrity and honesty, this mm-hmm. is something that that the AEC probably needs to have a look at. You know, I know the campaign got calls saying, is this legal? And it, and it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, I know most parties don't do it, I think primarily on cost. It's an expensive exercise, right, to send everyone in Canberra a letter with your logo. Well, that's why you get the, the two majors doing that, right? Well, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I don't... I don't I don't like it. I, I think it's yeah. Personally, I think it's it's wrong. But you know, it's it is perfectly legitimate 
tactic. So I think it's one of those ones that if you're looking at a suite of integrity measures that range from a, a federal ICAC right through to, you know, freedom of information and other things that, that are in, you know, you know, Helen Haynes' bill and other things that are around those sort of integrity platforms, then, I, you know, I, I think that that would be at the, at the smaller end, but I think it's really, I think it's really important. Um, you know, I, I don't know the AEC's view on it. I know that they told us that, you know, when, when David's party was first formed, the AEC said, why don't you come in for a meeting and we'll talk to you about what all that means. And so, so you know, I was involved in that meeting and, you know, that, that was great. I mean, uh, just go on record as saying the AEC is my favourite bureaucracy in Canberra. They are incredible. They do an amazing job and, you know, unscrupululously fair is that is that I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but anyway, they are scrupulously fair. fair perhaps yeah. yes, <laughs> they're more scrupulous than unscrupulous. But uh, anyway, they are they are straight down the line and incredibly helpful mm-hmm. and really want to ensure everyone is fra- you know, mm-hmm. is enfranchised. Every vote counts mm-hmm. that should count, uh, and and treat everyone absolutely mm-hmm. you know all the, the the parties and candidates mm-hmm. with absolute equality. So mm-hmm. a big shout out to the AEC because I think that you know from a, mm-hmm. as, as someone who started proactive you know, pro these sorts of democratic mm-hmm. issues. Pro getting people's voices heard. The AEC is absolutely bang on in all they do on that regard. So, the the, the bit around postal voting, I hope that they change that. The the rest of the stuff that the AEC kind of administers is is incredible, and they are amazing. And the other thing that came up along when people were commenting about the, the postal voting system was they're saying, "Look, we're getting all of this um, material from yeah. people we haven't heard a rumble from for the last three years, yeah. and suddenly there's an election, and suddenly there's this huge push to talk about all the things that they're going to do for the community yeah. when they haven't actually done anything for the community in their whole term. So yeah. that's probably another issue that uh, people would put forward at a meeting, which is, look, we we've got all these people representing us who don't seem to care about us until it's election time. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's when, we, when you asked earlier, Scotty, what, what next for PROACT? I think this is one of the things that, that, that probably resonates with, with us and with, you know, our supporters is we don't want to, you know, democracy isn't about having an election every three years. It's mm-hmm. about engaging and understanding community and representing people and all that sort of stuff. And so, um, you know, perhaps that's, that is one of the things that PROACT is thinking about is how do we you know, I mean, I know David's committed to it, so I don't need to drag him out. But you know, how do we get other representatives out and 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 and, and at town hall meetings answer questions about, you know, what's the position on this that's coming up, or answer questions about why why did you vote that way? What was the discussion? And I think, and it's not, you know, none of this is to say that we want to bring you out here and and say I disagree with that vote. I think from Proax point of view. What what we're saying is we want representatives who reflect the community. We want people with values, with principles, with a moral compass who who can say, look, I had to, I voted on this issue this way because of X, Y, and Z, and this is the reasoning, and this is how it went. And I may go, well, you know, fine. Given all that, I would have voted another way. But 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 I can accept that you've thought this through, you've rationalised it, you've understood where it sits within the ACT community, where it sits within national policy, and you've 
and you've come to what I can see is a logical position. It's not the one I would get to, but but I get that you've been guided by a set of principles that 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 we've signed up to, and that's fine, right? You, you know, Scotty and I could have a beer and talk about all sorts of things, and we're probably not going to agree on every single one of them. But broadly speaking, we're still going to you know be aligned on you know how we live our lives and principles and things like that. So, you know, none of these things are about saying we want to we want to go and ask gotcha questions every chance we get to our our representative. It's more just let's just you know let's just keep in touch. Let's just see that you're there. Make sure that that you know he, you, that you're still hearing the community, and that and that's. That's a big part, right? Because otherwise you get your letterbox flooded every yeah. three years and go, I've got no idea who these people are. I haven't heard from you in three years. What, you know, you've got to earn your vote, you know. Yeah. I, I, well, there's a lot of that um, sense of entitlement that I think be- became questioned for some of our candidates or, or some of our incumbents, I should say, yeah. that, you know, they had just assumed that they were in very safe seats. Yeah. And this election was quite different. I mean, like, Scotty and I talked about this a lot with our, with our candidates we interviewed. Yeah. There were people who were voting um, quite differently to how they'd voted for the last two decades. Yeah. And they were also confused about how to vote for change. You know, yeah. They said, we, we want change. We don't believe that voting the same way is going to bring that change, but we don't really know what to do and how to go about it. So what's a really good way for people to um, get themselves informed? Like if we try to do our bit by doing a radio show yeah. but there's obviously lots of other things they can do too yeah look i think the most powerful the most powerful change agent mm. and, and the people that uh, when you hear it from people you trust mm. okay so that's that's when change happens is if if your neighbor bangs in a, a sign that says i'm supporting some random independent and then you know goes and goes and asks you know someone says well, why would you do that you know your neighbor i speak mm. to you all the time what's the story here uh, and so it, it if you want change, it, it only ever comes, I think, from from groundswell, from from community movements, and from people talking. It comes through conversation. Change happens one conversation at a time. It's 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 boring, you know. Like when people want the silver bullet to say this is this is how you make change, it happens one conversation at a time, you know. And it's just sowing seeds in different in different areas and seeing what flourishes. And it's it's hard work. It takes a long time, you know, and, but that's the sort of, I mean, not, we saw that happening nationally with, you know, these, this, the teal, so-called teal wave of independence, you know, flipping seats like, um, Kuyong in Melbourne. I mean, no one expected, I mean, once, once, uh, Monique Ryan got up and running, people were like, well, this is a contest, but 12 months ago, it was inconceivable that the liberal party would lose, lose Kuyong. It was probably inconceivable. They would lose North Sydney, um, you know, Wentworth was probably considered safe. You know, all these sorts of seats that are that are pretty heartland. Um, but I think people just got fed up with not being heard, not mm-hmm. being listened to. Um, you know, and I kept on thinking during that whole campaign of sort of you know Malcolm Fraser saying, "I haven't moved, the party has," and it feels like that's what mm-hmm. ha- that's what happened in these seats. You know, that people didn't move, but the, but the party sort of deserted those small L liberal values. You know, looking at those things specifically. In terms of that community piece, though, and how you do that, that's something that, that went into to David's campaign and, and Claire was sort of quite instrumental in pushing some of this stuff along with a bunch of other volunteers. Um, you know, we had these... David held these politics in the park events and, and what they were were... You know, the first one was in O'Connor because it was right behind near our house and, and we thought, well, well, we'll test it here, right? Start at home. Yeah, if, we, if it can't work here, then it's not going to work anywhere, you know, because we know people and whatever. And so it literally was, um, you know, a, 
it's, we, we said a handwritten note, but obviously it's computer printed these mm-hmm. days, but a note from, from Claire and I saying, look, you know, we've, hi, we, we're, we're your neighbours, we live in this street, um, we're supporting David Pocock mm-hmm. this election because, because we've met him and he's this and that and, and whatever. Look, we asked Dave to come to the local park and he's going to be there at 330 you know, at this place, come along and meet him and have a chat and make up your mind. And so distributing those handwritten notes instead of just, you know, generic campaign material, all of a sudden, you know, people we knew and people we didn't know from O'Connor. So then we got all our volunteers that were around letterboxed O'Connor with these notes. And then, you know, Dave turns up at the park and along with, you know, 50 or 60 people from the area and 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 you know they'll get to have it to sit down with with him and have a chat and and introduce themselves and say this is what i care about he's like okay great and that's how he built his policy platform so this was replicated probably a dozen times in the in the lead up to the campaign even being called in many ways um you know and all around the place there was you know we had one in denman prospect i know there was a big one in fadden you know near the jamison center in belcon and you know well i saw them pop up everywhere like i was i live north side but i you know, get about town, and then suddenly, oh, there's a boat. There's David there doing one. There's David there doing one. So yeah. it was literally every week. I would either drive past or run into um, one of these events. Yeah, and, and this was this was mm. the thing. Like, I mean, you know, I think that the campaign probably mm. got not not a little bit of flack, but a lot of people were like, well, what do you stand for? What do you stand for? It's like, well, this is the point, right? Where this is the grassroots thing. So we want to we want to hear from people before we start just we saying stand for what this you is. Stand for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're listening, and we'll we'll be building a policy platform as we go. And so, you know, it was slightly frustrating, sort of, as the campaign, as the as the election day got closer, and you'd be reading the paper, and there'd be letters going, oh well, or you know, comments under articles saying, oh well, you know, David doesn't stand for anything. I don't know, and then. I, it was it was heartening that I, over time someone would respond and say, "Have you seen his website lately?" You know, there's lots of stuff on there, but it was very much a we're listening. We want to know what's important. We want to hear, and then we'll talk to some experts in the field and make sure that we can sense check what it is, and then we'll then we'll build a policy. You know, well, there was some uh, oh, I can't remember. I don't want to quote online if I get the name wrong, but there was a group that um, you know basically had an active campaign against. David, yeah, and I actually think that worked in his favour, <laughs> to be honest, because most of the people that um, would have looked at the material they were putting out that believed it were already kind of in that camp anyway, and the other people just thought, well, if he's got some values that equate to Green's values, we actually want that. Yeah, we actually want those things. We want that um, those sort of common denominators, which was caring about the climate or caring about transparency or, you know, yeah. key things that he was very open about in his campaign. And they just happened to be similar to other parties with shared values. Yeah, I mean, I think you're referring to the Advance Australia. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> um, I'll name them. Uh, it, it, did it help or did it hinder? You know, look, I don't think we'll ever know for sure. Um, I, but, but I do. Well, actually, no. Let me let me take that back. There, there was a couple of different elements of what they did. I think the first thing they did was the 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 Superman. Um, the one that everyone picture. saw on the side of. The- oh, I was yeah. really disappointed the Greens didn't pick that up and start printing their own, their own <laughs> <Yeah>. candidates on there. <laughs> Actually, when they were complaining the, about the um, the climate two hundred folks, they actually had some of the greens candidates on that post, and I went, "But you're putting greens candidates saying they're green, so yeah, it didn't I really mean, make it a was, lot of sense." Yeah, it was mm. it was an interesting strategy. So, but, but I guess so we do have listeners who 
weren't here, so we should explain. Yes, I guess you didn't see all the yeah, crazy yeah, things yeah. in Canberra. Do you want to explain that, Glenn? What, yeah, what actually so the I'll take you. I'll take you through the sort of the yeah. gamut of things that that, that that I'm aware of that Advance Australia tried to do mm-hmm. against David. So the first was an online thing, which was using that same photo, which was a, a photo of David um, ripping open his shirt and revealing underneath a, a, a Greens the, the Greens Party logo, and basically implying that David was a member of the Greens and he was running for the Greens. They 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 tried that online first, and our you know David's um, mm-hmm. campaign had a very good sort of graphics guy who turned it into the Raiders shirt underneath which is obviously green and so the response that went out on and was picked up in the papers was yeah we love all things green go the Raiders you know kind of and so that was so that worked okay you know that was a a nice rebuttal but then we were kind of like all right don't don't engage generally you know yeah don't give them attention yeah I mean David by chance door knocked a political comms professor from ANU uh, and he was like oh just as all that was happening he was like oh Great. Let me let me give you some advice. This is what all the research shows, and so that was a fortuitous coincidence. But then, the next thing that happened was a leaflet went round. I think to every house in Canberra that a little sort of you know I don't know what size that is A five or smaller a little leaflet that sort of thing. yeah strip thing. I think it's officially DL size if you go to the printer, but that strip thing. Um, they uh, and that had three pictures of David and included a picture of him. Um, being uh, locked on to yeah. the to the machinery, the mining equipment in the Laird Forest in I think it was 2014. Yeah, I got one of them. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so did I. it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, and I had a couple of other pictures. Um, but but I think the response to that was sort of like, as you sort of said there, Zeno, it was kind of like, okay, so he's a man of principle and he, he believes in the environment mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think that that was... And he's walking his talk. Yeah, and he's walking his talk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it may it may have given us a little bump or neutral at best, but it certainly wasn't, didn't inflict mm-hmm. anything. The core flutes, though, which are, you know, the roadside mm-hmm. signs that rehash that same image of David as Superman with the Greens logo underneath, that definitely caused us damage. Because mm-hmm. then there was the big trailer that they were driving around and parking in various <laughs> yeah, places. Yeah, spent a fair bit of time around pre-pole stations, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd spotted everywhere. But so, so that... That did. That was mm-hmm. deceptive and misleading, and the AEC ruled as such mm-hmm. eventually. Um, and 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 we know that 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 um, caused confusion amongst mm-hmm. electors, and we know that because the you know the campaign was getting emails and mm-hmm. phone calls as soon as they appeared, saying what mm-hmm. David's you know running for the Green Party now. How did that happen? And and so I know. So there was that that. Mm-hmm. That element of what they were doing definitely mm. caused that was some confusion. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was very deliberate, and yeah, I mean, well, interestingly, like they they very specifically targeted David. Yeah, I mean, you know, they could have targeted Kim, who had a lot of similar policies, yeah. but they didn't. They targeted David, so they obviously saw David as a real threat. Because you don't target people, you don't yeah. spend your time and energy on someone that you doesn't you don't think is going to be a threat to you, right? Yeah, I mean, David. I mean, there was polling that was released at various mm-hmm. times. I think that there'd been um, some polling that the Canberra Times ran that sort of showed um, David rising mm-hmm. and and on the uh, and as a mm-hmm. threat. And I think that I think the Liberal Party saw David as a threat from day one. I mean, as soon as he announced his candidacy in December. Last year, I think that that that, that, uh, that there was a fundraising email went out, uh, you know, naming him mm-hmm. a, a, as as someone who would be running, and, and so, you know, talking to other candidates who've run in the past as independents, you know, they always found it difficult to get 
attention of the Liberal Party or of the media, whereas I think David's profile immediately um, gave him sort of a bump that I think that, that you know... The, it sort the, of reminds me a bit like when Peter Garrett ran, right? You know, there was a, a lot of the, the values had already been instilled in then Peter's life, but then he was already high profile. Yeah, that's so, right. So, you, you know, you get that additional attention there because you are high profile. People have opinions about you. Yeah, that's right. And people have opinions and some people have decided that, you know, they didn't like David's views on the world and that's and that's fine. You know, he's, he's, he's never shied away. I think I used the word authentic earlier and I think that that's absolutely true of him in that he has walked the walk for a long time on these issues that particularly around the environment, but also, you know, um, marriage equality and, I mean, great integrity. Yeah, and I he mean, spoke out in an environment that probably wasn't generally supportive of that too. You know, he was prepared to stick his neck out on that one yeah i mean when he got arrested it was uh, i was reading back on some of the some of the commentary around that a few weeks ago for some reason and it was um it was interesting he got he got arrested up in the uh you know, northern new south wales got released drove down made it just in time for you know the 7 a.m training or whatever it was with the brumbies and then the coach was asked afterwards how he went he's like well he's always the best on field at training so you know it was the same today with no sleep you know and so so it's hard when you know it helps that you're great at the game and and it and these things don't distract from your performance but it does you know i presume it probably put a bit of a target on his back at some places but what he shared with us when he was in studio with us and he shared with us his childhood and his background a lot of people are familiar with that story. Yeah. But, you know, that, that I really think are foundational things, how they impact someone. Because he said there was a, a neighbour's son who had you know, witnessed some of the same things he did, who didn't, who didn't cope with it very well and, and suffered a lot of PTSD around that. Yeah. So those things, I think, are foundational. They, they sort of set the tone for you as a human being. Yeah. And if you handle a situation that um, stressful really well as a young child that indicates that you're going to have some temperament as an adult that'll probably allow you to handle fairly stressful situations equally as well. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to speak for, for, for David on his, on, his, no. on his background, but, you know, I mean, it was one of the things every time I was talking mm-hmm. through, to him during the campaign, you know, I'd be reading all this stuff <laughs> and, oh, it's all happening, you know, what's happening? And, and he, he seemed to have an ability to just block out noise and go, this is the important thing. And I'm like, oh, that's why you play so well in World Cup finals, right? Mm. You just block out noise and go, this is our goal and this is what we're, <laughs> this is what we're doing. So, mm. you know, I think, he, I, think he, I think he's you know, a smart guy who can process things and, and knows what's important and knows what's important to him and, and the community. Or so, one yeah. of those rare beings that actually believes in wanting to make change for the right reasons. Yeah, no. Right? You know, cause yeah, absolutely. I, I said to David when he was in the studio, we had... Um, um, it was sort of an early chat before we went on air and um, there was a former Labour politician who actually had off the record said something to me about David and said, look, I think you know, David's exactly what we need in politics. Yeah, right. You know, he was, even though he was, you know, had some different party values, but he said, no, this is, this is exactly who we need and what we need right now. And this is what politics needs to rejuvenate it and get people interested again and get people, you know, having some trust again. Yeah. I mean, I know he's... Uh, you know, he's when he spoke to the volunteers at the at the sort of the party after mm-hmm. the election day. You know, I mean, he he just talked about values mm-hmm. and having a north star, and this is what we're this is what mm-hmm. we're this is what we're about, and that's what mm-hmm. I'm committed to. And it was you know it was it was that thing of mm-hmm. you know there there will be principles and there will be integrity back in politics. You know, mm-hmm. in in my you know if if he gets up if it's if it's all confirmed, but if I get in, this is what. Um, you know, th- th- there is a uh, guiding principles here that are that are good 
to the core, you know, and you know, it's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding slightly corny, but he, but he is, like you say, one of those people who is interested in making change for the right reasons and, and has run as an independent so he doesn't have to toe any party lines mm-hmm. so that he can remain true to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you mentioned Peter Garrett earlier, you know, and, and so it's always this debate, isn't it? Do you make change inside the tent or do you go from outside the tent and try and, you know, not throw stones at it, but, you know, make, make some change from outside? And I think Peter Garrett went inside mm-hmm. the tent and, and didn't work very well for him. Well, you know, I'll leave that for him to decide. But I, it used to really hurt me every time, you know, that his, his opponents would say, oh, you know, it's better to live on your feet and die on your knees and, you know, quote all these song lyrics back to him. And he'd be like, oh, poor man, that was such good music. And, you know, I, I feel like he's a... But that's the thing, I mean, it's dirty, right? Like politics can... Well, maybe dirty's not the right word, but toxic is probably a better word. Po- politics can be extremely toxic. Yeah. And anyone that fronts up to stepping into that role has to have the temperament to be able to cope with that because they're going to get it at some point. They're going to get slammed with it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think very early on in the, you know, ProAct was always about positivity and about listening and and being positive and not, you know, not playing the man at all. You know, it's about what are the issues that are important and how do we do that? And I think, um, you know, I think, David's campaign lived that. I mean, I don't, I can't remember any negativity coming from the place ever, and and it was always about I'm listening. What what's happening? You know, this is we, we want to be part of the solution, and and not, um, you know, not not making personal slanders, not having a crack at anyone. And if it, if stuff's thrown at you, just go, you know, it's not great. Come on, we can be better than that. And and, and that's and moving on and, and staying positive. And that's, you know, just the way that that, that the campaign ran. And, and I heard, you know, um, Genevieve Jacobs, and I can't remember who she was talking to, but on the Riot Act website, you know, just yeah. talking about that positivity of the campaign. And I think that that, you could feel that, you know, talking to friends from all over the country over the last few days, so just talking about it, it just feels like there's a bit more positivity about the place all of a well, sudden. Hope. I think that's a good word is hope. We have hope now. Whereas yeah. before when we had the same old, same old, the hope was dying quite quickly. Yeah, I think hope's a good word. I feel like Barack Obama set the bar super high on hope and <laughs> yeah. then he was never going to deliver on that expectation. So I kind of, yeah. uh, you know, but I think hope is a, is a let, let's call it moderate levels of hope is a good thing rather than, Hope so now Obama we're looking for style. the evidence. We're looking for the next three years to see if our emotional investment pays off, right? Yeah, and look, and look. I hope that the I hope that the wave of um, civic engagement that we've seen across a, a raft of these sort of voices for groups, the thirty-five to forty. I hope that expands to one hundred and fifty-one. You know, let's get one in every electorate, and let's be active citizens across three years. You know, between cycles, let's let's hold people to a, you know, our, our elected representatives to account. Let's let's you know talk about what's important to us. Let's get a shared vision for the future because I think that's what's been li- lacking in a lot of politics. Is there's a lot of point scoring goes on, and that comes yeah. back to the negativity. There's a, there's a lot of politics happens. There's not a lot of good policy that, that's been happening for 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 a long time, and so. Uh, you know, and I count both sides of, uh, you know, uh, this isn't a, a, a partisan view. This is a view of when when was the last time someone talked about, 
you know, this is this is the real vision for the country. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to work together, and we're going to be stronger for it. And mm. that's not just keeping your corporate mates happy from some deal that you agreed to. You know, yeah. well, you said that, Zeno. I'm yeah, not yeah. buying into that. <laughs> I didn't attach that to any particular party. <laughs> I do get in trouble on air, though. Scotty does have to reel me back sometimes. I say that to get me in trouble. Uh, where was I going there? <laughs> we were talking about. Um, maintaining the community participation between yeah. elections. And what are some of the tricks that you've heard of um, that might be useful for doing that? Because it's an interesting thing. It's going to take a bit of stamina to do that, so you sort of have to build it into your processes. Yeah, look, I don't know I've got any great tricks in mind at this point, Scotty, yeah. but I think you're right. I mean, there's always going to be a, a peak of excitement around elections, you know, and this comes back to the... To, to in some ways to the view that you know if you're having an election you've got a democracy and that's that you know I don't subscribe to that view at all but there are, there is always going to be a peak of of engagement around election so that, so there's no doubt that the enthusiasm will you know become uh, yeah, less in in the intervening period I think you know there will be some people whose day to day lives you know you can free up time for for a few months or a, you know a few weeks but. But to sustain that, but I think, uh, look, I think I think it is just about regular contact. I think it is about having, um, you know, fostering relationships that people want to invest in. That's that's the, that's the key, right? People want, if people want to invest in it, then they will. And so you need to you need to build those relationships, and that's difficult across you know wide networks and things like that. Like I said, life takes over, but. Um, but but that's sort of some of those things, and what what we'll be looking at you know, from a proact point of view is what we're we're starting to turn our minds to now. We've we've given ourselves three or four days off, and now we're we're looking at it again about how that how that's gonna how yeah, that's gonna yeah. work. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know the answer. We'll certainly be talking. Uh, yeah. Probably to, uh, I don't know if Carolyn Hendricks listens, but she'll be on my speed dial again. You know, how did how did the Voices for Indi group do that? Because they're the mm. first that managed to maintain enough engagement that um, Kathy McGowan got elected a second time, and then it's the first time anyone's handed from an independent to an independent. It's the first time in in 2019 was the first time in history that when Helen Haynes replaced Kathy McGowan that an independent replaced another independent rather than one of the parties rolling over. So. That speaks to some resilience in that Voices for group there. So I think there's plenty to be learned. There's plenty of experience. You know, we're not the first who's going to trod this this path. Um, so you know, we, we, we'll we'll you know try and reach out and have a chat to, to their team and see. And we probably now there's you know I can't remember the number five, six, seven, eight other independents who are up. Who are, there's going to be at least that number of groups <laughs> thinking the same thing. How do we keep this going? So yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. the, the, you're just before anyone says, I knew you were all related and you're all a party, I, I haven't spoken to anyone from any of those other groups yet, you know, the Voices for Community groups, and that's where, that, you know, that's something that maybe we'll do to see what they're thinking. Maybe we'll just strike it out alone and go, okay, well, this is the ACT. We're a slightly different thing, and, and the fact that we've put our efforts towards the Senate means it's 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 quite different. You know, mm -hmm. you know, like I said earlier, people don't quite understand that, the Senate. So, if you're a community group that's looking just at the lower house, is that different? Is the engagement the same? You know, there's lots of things for us to think about. I think in the coming in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, some of the none of these really quite fit, but you know, the Porto Alegre um, in 
Portugal, I think, did a participatory budgeting. So their discretionary spending yeah. in the town was put out to a democratic process to see where people wanted it spent. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that... Mm going to be a bit hard as a single independent senator to get anything like that going. Yeah, I mean, that feels like a really good thing for the Territory Government Mm. to think about, and I don't know if they they do that. I think think, um, Tim Hollow... Uh, the the Canberra Greens. On top of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the, I think they ran a participatory budgeting yep. thing uh, here. Uh, yeah, a couple of months ago, I remember I bumped into Tim. I was at the playground with the kids, and he was <laughs> he walk home from Civic goes past there, and and we had a chat. And he was just coming from that participatory budgeting thing. Um, yeah, right. I know the I mean in Victoria, the local governments act says that they all have to do sort of. Um, deliberative consultations around budget so you know in my professional career facilitated some of those which is around you know the little pie chart you get on your your bill of this is how we're spending our money you know that sort of thing so in in victorian government local areas they have to convene you know a group of residents and talk Mm -hmm. about what the pie chart looks like and what do we want it to look like in 10 years time you know are we spending our money on the right thing so not quite the discretionary stuff, but you know, if we spend thirty percent on capital work, should it be twenty five, and should we spend more on libraries, or more on aged care, or more on other things? So, you know, those things are happening at, at local government and and probably territory, state government levels. But yeah, it's a bit it's a bit trickier to run at a federal level as an individual sort of senator. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think they're interesting ideas. Yeah. So, well, now we've the election is done. We've you know, still waiting for the final results. Yeah. But there's going to be people on both sides that are either really happy with who's been elected and other people that are absolutely furious and are going to spend the next three years yeah. trying to change things. So when we talk about this accountability piece, how do we hold our members to account? Like how, what sort of things can we do? If we're not happy with who's got in there and we, you know, we feel that they're not being accountable especially, you know, the pre-election promises and the post-election delivery yeah. are quite different sometimes. How, how do we work on that? What, what sort of strategy can we use? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, there's, I think there's a piece about making, uh, ensuring our representative doors are open, mm-hmm. ensuring that they're, you know, publicly uh, holding events mm-hmm. and engaging. And I think that most of them are open to that idea. I think there's a realisation with this, you know, this, this movement of independence and this real expression of dissatisfaction with the status quo that, that, that will have shaken all, everyone to say, actually, I can't be the once every three year person who turns up and knocks on your door and smiles nicely and hope that, expect that that's enough to get your Your fear vote. of change will keep me elected. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I think that that's been sort of washed away a little bit. So I think there's that. I think it's also about the, the, the types of representatives that people are putting in. So, you know, I think... Um, uh, you know, I mean, I get the sign up and get the Lee report, uh, you know, everything. So I think Andrew's every time uh, I don't live in, in Fenner, but when it used to be the old divide, you know, I couldn't go to any community event without seeing Andrew Lee out there. So I think it's about encouraging your members to be open. So and accessible, accessible, accessible or visible. Yeah. And, and look, I, you know, I'd encourage all your listeners to join Proact because <laughs> I think, you know, we're currently talking with, with David's campaign about what that what the future will look like and, and how, you know, he's, he, he wants to engage with the community and, and sees Proact as a way to, 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 to get... For, for the community to hold him to account, for the community to say, you know, great, get, you know, I said I'd do this, and I've, is this what I'm doing? So, yeah. I, you know, I think it's I think it's about being an active citizen. Mm-hmm. I think it's just about 
And if you can't join groups and you haven't got time, that's fine. Read the paper, write letters, you know, in your spare time. Just in, just be engaged, you know, just be aware. And if the least... To be informed. Be right? informed, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Be informed. And we'll just have a really informal com- kitchen cable conversation down the pub with your mates. Well, exactly. I mean, keep Fit the conversation in, going. Already. Yeah, that's right. Just just keep it keep it going, you know. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, when people... You know, friends knew that that Claire and I had started Proact, and some had been engaged, and some hadn't. But you know, the conversations we were having at the pub with my mates mm-hmm. switched. You know, there was less Essendon Football Club. Mm-hmm. I had to get that in, Scotty. <laughs> that go the Bombers. Uh, well, I le- saw something about that in your bio, actually. About well, Essendon it's Football unfortunate Club. this yeah. year, to be honest. But you know, broadly speaking, it's been a good ride. But you know, anyway, moving, we'll swiftly move along from the Essendon Football Club. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's less talk about those things, and people started going, well, what, you know, "What is that? Why would you do that? You know, what's what's the story?" And then once you start talking about, it, oh, okay, that's mm-hmm. quite that, oh, that's that a bit sense. interesting. Yeah, yeah, good. You know, it does affect all our lives. So let's talk about that as well as the bombers and, and how bad they've been. I guess because a lot of the conversations avoid politics, like the plague. Yeah, people aren't used to thinking about and discussing this sort of stuff, are they? No, that's right. But if you take, and this is this is what you know, these voices for groups try to do generally is initially take the politics out of it it's not about left or right it's not about parties it's about what are the issues that are important to us and then it's about how can we engage with our local representative or how do we replace our local representative at that harder end so that we've got someone who does better reflect these so so it's not about it's not about politics as such it's not about party politics as people understand it it's about issues that affect our community and you can talk about issues that affect the community safely mm. we all stand at the school gate and pick up our kids and and say oh the school could do better at this and the school could that's something that's affecting us right okay the school could do better we work at the community board level we work at the school board level it's not a new thing it's just elevating it to national issues or territory level issues what is important to us affordable housing mm-hmm. okay let's how do we how do we do that? Who can we speak to? Do we, how, how do we how do we go about that as a collective? And and I think it makes it easier if you've got you know a single group or you know multiple groups, but but fewer groups who who are actually uh, you know approaching and using the mechanism. Or maybe Proaxit role is to to establish the forum, and then that these other groups that have got special interests come in, and 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 you know there's a thematic. Uh, conversation with experts in it. You know, I don't know what that looks like, but I think that there is, you know, it, it, it is about conversation. It is about um, staying informed. You know, the, the elections every three years shouldn't be won on what's said in the last two months. They should be they should be run and prosecuted on what what you've done. Have you been good at what? How you've you done? voted in the Senate? Yeah, how you voted in the Senate? <laughs> what your record is? What you've done and what you're what, and what your vision is, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the idea that you, you can just front up every three years and say, okay, um, you know, these are my policies now. Forget about everything I did in the last three years. <laughs> this is what I'm looking for. I mean, that, I think that's a bit a bit mad. So staying informed and, and, and engaging, I think, is, yeah. is, is, is the key. So I think um, as far as I know, in, in Indi, where all of this started, there's... Uh, there's a bit of a separation between the candidate and the actual group who's doing all the on-the-ground kitchen table conversations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's your relationship between your candidate and the, the the community group? Yeah, so the way the way it works in Indi, and, and we've followed this model pretty closely, is that the, the Voices for group goes through, um, you know, they hold all the conversations and they 
they run the process to decide who they're going to endorse and uh, you know th th they're a more mature group than us so the last time they uh, I don't know about this election but 2019 probably I guess they probably just Helen was uh, Helen Haynes was probably you know going to be the person but when Kathy McGowan was leaving and Helen Haynes was was chosen they basically had a uh, almost like a, a U.S. style caucus where they uh, had a big town hall, a, you know, physical, literal town hall, two hundred people, and there was you know half a dozen candidates up there, and they they you know each gave speeches, and then there was the you know they broke into smaller tables and discussed it, and then someone kind of you know one of the candidates said actually you know I can see that I'm not the best, so they dropped out, and then there was another caucus, and so on and so on until. You know, Helen Haynes was the person of standing, yeah. yeah, and so, and so that's the approach that they use. But then what happens is, I mean, it, it's interesting. I didn't know this until relatively recently. Voices for Indi, what what color is the Voices for Indi sort of group? I believe they're orange. Uh, that's Helen's campaign. The Voices for Indi group is green. If you look oh, at, really? if you go and check out their logo, so there's that distinction, right? So the fact that you've conflated those two probably mm, suggests mm. that they're a bit closer than you think. And that's certainly what I thought. But so what happens is the Voices for group um, goes through all that process. And then once they've endorsed the candidates, basically they go dormant. The Voices for group goes dormant and says to their their supporters, you know, you can do what you what you want. We've, we've endorsed Helen Haynes. We strongly recommend that you go and volunteer for her campaign. But then you have to sign up separately for the campaign. And you can choose not to, not to sign up. You can say, you know what, I like the other person. They're not running, but I'm not interested yeah, anymore them, not yeah, my yeah. go yeah. and that's fine right that's and so we we operated the, the exact same way in that we uh, proact held the, the the endorsement thing uh the, the process thing it's better it's better than a thing <laughs> you know there's a little more to it than a thing but um we we ran the process and then we sent out to all our supporters look this is we've endorsed david pocock um you know, it's up to you. If you want to sign up to volunteer, here's a link to his website. Uh, if you don't, that's, that's... I think you had 2,000 sign-ups after that. There was like, I just saw like a huge wave of sign-ups. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you need 1,500. So the law changed, you need 1,500 members to, to, to register a political party. And we thought that might take a little while, you know, and it was getting tight for time because, you know, it takes three months to register a party and and whatever. And, and I think, you know... Certainly, by the end of day day one, David had you know close to a couple of thousand. I think it got to three thousand by the end of day two, or something like that. So there was plenty of, and that's nationally. That's yeah, not yeah. just in the ACT. So to be a party, you know, you, you can get your signatures from anywhere. But there was a lot of support, yeah, very quickly for David. What if so, hypothetically, David suddenly, as soon as he got in, I mean, this is pretty unlikely, but yeah. started behaving like Peter Dutton. <laughs> <laughs> what, how, how would the started voices... behaving like Zedzas Elger? Well, that's right. How would the movement respond? Well, Dave and Peter have the same hairstyle. I think <laughs> both of them would agree with that. So that's all right. Um, uh, sorry, Dave. So, 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 yeah. No, so, so how, 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 goes, in but, other words, yeah. how would you hold your um, yeah? So lead so, it to account if there was something went wrong. Yeah, I mean, and that that's Another a risk, right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's yeah. a risk. So you would, you know, I think that Proact would you know, would be trying to engage with with the candidate. If it was clear they'd gone wrong, we'd go, all right, well, we we got that selection horribly wrong. Back to the back shoulder, back to the board. wheel, and yeah, and 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 go again. I mean, there's 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 no official recourse, right? The the person gets into Parliament, and they and we we've seen that they can say one thing and then go and do mm -hmm. others things. 
we're you know we're very confident that we've we've picked someone of high moral fiber who's not going to do that but if it did happen yeah we would we would be you know trying to get meetings and trying to say hey what's going on and trying to make sure that they're being held to account but equally at the next uh, you know at the next time out we'd be organizing and going again yeah and trying to find going harder yeah yeah that's right i mean the process sounds like it really has put a lot of effort into picking someone who's pretty sound yeah i mean you know i mean absolutely i mean we tried to put as much rigor around the thing as we as we could keep calling that process a thing i've got to stop doing that but um, (laughs) you know we we try to put as much rigor around it and um and and get you know community voice in it so it's not you know it's not endorsed by you know the little committee of five of us that's you know we're not kingmakers we've got no interest in that we want to know we want to make sure everyone else can get their voice heard and we deliberately you know we don't have any more weight or any more power than anyone else in the group so that so yeah you know i mean it's it, it was a collective decision and you know if collectively we fall we'll so be it but we'll go back again you know so um, we're getting close to the end of our time here. So I just want to quickly um, put forward a listener question that came in recently. Great. And they said, I guess they've been listening quite keenly. So ProAct is not a political party, but you have values and morals that would be great to have in a political party. Would you ever consider forming one? No. <laughs> okay, that was a straight so, look, answer. It's a good question. We're not a political party. Yeah. We have no aspirations mm. to be. We very much see ourselves at the grassroots mm. community level. Uh, that sort of uh, most of our group's background is that organising. Um, we, w- our aim is to give voice to people, and, mm. and that's it. We don't, we don't want to form a party. Um, it's not, it's not something that we're interested in. Uh, it's great that you like our values <laughs> and our our ethos mm. and the way we're going about it, and. Um, proact.org.au sign up if you know them but um, uh, no we, we, we're not a political party and and we have no intention of ever being okay well that's a great next segue so how do people get in touch how do they volunteer you've got merch available I believe to wear t-shirts with Proact on them um, so, so what is the next step for people that would like to take the next step yeah so I mean like I said we're in this sort of phase where we're trying to figure out what it looks like so that's so that's great that people are interested do sign up at proact.org.au uh, we'll add you to our mailing list and we'll be going out you know in the next few weeks with sort of some some things that we're thinking about and trying to get engaged again and trying to you know there's momentum we don't want to lose that but at the same time we don't want to just hastily say this is what we're going to do next it'll be a discussion with the group to say well how can we best use our energies over the next you know those intervening periods to to um to, to you know maintain this because it, it you know nationally it's been a phenomenal outpouring of volunteering and and engagement and you don't want to lose that right but but like we talked about earlier there probably are going to be ebbs and flows in this thing but let's let's ride the wave while it's still going okay brilliant and um you can also accept donations if people would like to donate i believe yeah we <laughs> we do uh but to be honest we probably don't you know we we, we probably don't need money at this point in time we i mean proact itself ran on about I think the the founders chucked in some money each, and you know we probably ran on Enough five thousand bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, we to print a few flyers to go around. It's very much about bringing people together and talking and conversation, and that's a low cost way to engage in democracy. You can do it anywhere, on the side of the the, the soccer field when your kids are playing, at the pub with your mates, whatever. So, um, you know, I'm I'm actually the treasurer of Proact, so it's probably 
wrong for me to say don't <laughs> donate to us, but I, but but actually we're, we're, we do, we're, we're community. We don't we actually don't we don't have overheads. We're all volunteers. So uh, until we need it, I say keep it and donate it somewhere else if yeah. you really want to. But, okay, um, well that's brilliant. Well, that looks like we're just about run out of time there, Glenn. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show and helping us recover from the election last <laughs> week. It's been very informative and very entertaining at the same time. Yeah, and congratulations <laughs> on the the formation of this group mm. in, in Canberra. I think it's really fantastic. Um, and whether or not Pocock wins, you've had a win. That's right. That, yeah. uh, absolutely. I mean, I think we've... Um, you know that's what we kept telling ourselves over the journey. You know, in 12 months, we've 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 come a long way. We've shaken things up a bit, and we've engaged a load of people who weren't previously engaged, and that's that that's absolutely a win. So, appreciate it, Scotty. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So the Zena. method is, method is proven. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah. That's right. So that was a huge thank you to Glenn Cummings from Proact for joining us this morning in our election aftermath show. You have been listening to an episode of A Line in the Sound, the podcast made by Co-ops, Commons and Communities Canberra, Co-Canberra for short, the New Economy Network of Australia, or NINA, and Radio Behind the Lines from Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Co-Canberra is working towards a cooperative commonwealth. Our work builds strong communities, extensive commons, and a network of climate cooperatives. The New Economy Network of Australia is a network of individuals and organisations working to transform Australia's economic system so that achieving ecological health and social justice are the foundational principles and the primary objectives of the economic system. Behind the Lines has been running for well over 30 years on Canberra's oldest community radio station, 2XX. We do extended interviews with anyone who's trying to make the world a better place. All three are volunteer-run, so if you like what you heard on this episode, join us and become the media. To join up with the New Economy Network of Australia, sign up at neweconomy.org.au. To help out with Behind the Lines, or to help our editing team finish off a mountain of good Australian New Economy info, which includes editing training, contact us at behindthelines98.3 at gmail.com and see 2XXFM.org.au where you can subscribe, donate and volunteer to Australia's only alternative voice, Community Radio. If you're not in Canberra, there's definitely one near you. To help out with CoCanberra, contact us at info at cocanberra.org.au That's C-O-C-A-N-B-E-R-R-A.org.au or come along to our monthly meetups, which we share with Nina Canberra Regional Hub, where we explore any and all aspects of the new economy. Find out what we're up to at cocanberra.org.au. And finally, if you want to help fund me, Scotty, to go full-time with this and lots of other related work, look up LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, and search for Community Supported Scotty. From there, you can find out about all my other projects and donate to help create a new appropriate economy. Thanks.